and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, okay, so in this episode today, the camp kind of has some time off. So I wanted to ask you, what is your ideal way to spend time off when you get it? Honestly, my ideal way to spend time off is probably just like drawing stuff. I'm always like the most happy when I'm just drawing when I have free time. Granted, the career path that I'm choosing for myself might no longer enjoy drawing (laughs) in my free time, but I'm hoping that, you know, I like the creative outlet. I like drawing. I like putting some digital artwork together. It's probably where I'm uh, most happy and feel the most like productive during my free time. Mm -hmm. Like watching like movies or TV shows. I'm always like, well, I could be doing something else, but like drawing having some nice like music in the background it feels like i'm actually like doing something while still enjoying some free time that i have what about you what do you what do you do during your free time that makes you feel happy i hate having time off if i'm being honest i'm too type a like this summer you know i had um i had like a good chunk of time off and i hated every second of it i hated having time off but so like for me having time off is like very anxiety inducing. But to combat that, I really like to read. I'm a huge reader. Um, and I got so much reading done this summer. Uh, like it was very nice to finally be able to like fly through books because I had the time to do it. But I'm the same way of like, first of all, if I'm not doing something, it's terrible for me. But if I'm watching like a movie or like binge watching a TV show, I'm like, this isn't really a productive use of my time. But reading, I don't feel that way. So I really like to read. I feel you. Watch movies, everything. Love it. But you do feel like, okay, I could be doing something with my life rather than watching people on a screen do something with their lives. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So speaking of time off, in this episode, as you were, the camp actually has some downtime for once. So everyone tries to have a little bit of fun and take care of business, including some monkey business. (laughs) Um, But unfortunately, the good times are put on a pause when the wounded come in and the camp is under fire by U.S. troops. So, Ethan, before we get into the whole plot of this episode, what did you think about this episode? This episode is great. I think this is like a top tier episode. It's a lot of fun. This episode's really fun. And then when it switches into crisis mode, when the wounded come in and they have to deal with a specific thing happening to one of the doctors, no spoilers yet. <laughs> um, I thought it worked really well. Like I thought the shift between lazy downtime and like chaos complemented this episode really well. This is one of my favorites, I think. Yeah, I think, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is like a fan favorite episode. And for sure, I love this episode too. Um, And I was really excited to cover this episode. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that what you described is like why people love it so much. It's just like that slice of life kind of thing, but with the stakes not being too high, but still like that contrast between like funny, haha, downtime and like it being a little bit more serious. Um, yeah, I mm-hmm. loved this episode. This was this was such yeah. a good episode. <laughs> the structure of it with how they did these little episodes inside the episode, it reminded me a lot of how the movie was structured with how that was so episodic. And usually when the show does it, they have like a framing device of like, 
Hawkeye talking to his dad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, it was just kind of going around camp, seeing what everybody's up to while nothing's happening. And it like really gelled together well. Yeah. And then the fact that you have like the raising of the stakes in the second half made it like, okay, this is like the complete picture of what MASH is. It's people goofing around and then like serious doctor mode. Uh, really well balanced, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And to start off with these like little scenes of what everyone's doing in their downtime, I loved, like I, I love those type of, oh, what's everyone up to kind of things. And I really thought a lot of these scenes were like hysterical, like with Frank measuring the condiments. Oh my God, that was, that really killed me. That was so funny. That was, Frank measuring the condiments was crazy to me. Okay, so, you know, this is a 70s sitcom. They don't move the camera a lot, but the fact that the camera like moves to or like see what Frank is doing and (laughs) it's like this full-on like profile shot of Trapper and Hawkeye like sitting at the bench I was like whoa that's like create like my brain like readjusted itself to like enjoy the language of this like more simply shot show that like the fact that the camera moved in a way that like a sitcom from this era never moves Mm -hmm. I was like oh my god that's insane (laughs) (laughs) yeah there were um i'll talk about it later but there was another shot in this episode that i was really like wow that's that's a really interesting shot for them to take in the context of this episode and did you notice i think this is a consequence of the widescreen reformatting that frank has this string right and he's measuring these condiments and like lined it up in a way that like he can only see the ketchup bottle or something (laughs) uh but During, like, one of these conversations, the shot with Frank's, like, string going, you could see the guy holding the other end of it. Like, his full hand is just visible. And I don't think it was supposed to be visible. No, I didn't see that at all. Because I thought that they were going to have, like, whoever was on the other end of that, but they ended up not. And I thought that that was really interesting and funny. Yeah, no, I didn't see that at all. Oh, his hand is just like right there. It's all I can think. <laughs> and I, I don't think it was supposed to be. I think if you watch this in the original like four by three, the way God intended, <laughs> you're not supposed to see the guy holding the other other end of the string. <laughs> More on the condiment uh, fiasco, I guess. <laughs> this was so. This was like such a weird thing that he was doing. So Hawkeye asks Frank. Oh, hey, Frank, like, what are you doing? Like, you're acting kind of insane right now. <laughs> and Frank, yeah, it, it just, like, didn't make sense. He says that he arranged the condiments in order of height and popularity. And so Frank goes on this whole big, long spiel about, like, why he's doing it, which to me, like, did not make sense. He was just, like, basically doing, like, <laughs> something visually for himself. And so yeah. I loved the fact that once he explains it, Hawkeye just, like, kind of just, like, looks off into the distance like he's in the office and then goes back to Trapper. (laughs) I love that so much because, you know, I'm a weird guy. I do stuff like that. (laughs) I I will just be like, okay, this this amuses me for the time being. I'm going to line up whatever. And I'm going to like, this only makes sense to me, but it's like giving my brain the like right information <laughs> it needs. So I, I relate. I've never done this. <laughs> but you identified with Frank in this scene? Yes, I did. 
I related to good old Frank Burns being just an absolute, <laughs> like, weirdo. <laughs> I loved that. I also loved this scene with um, Father Mulcahy, where you get Father Mulcahy in his tent and he's washing his feet. It was so funny because, like, I love every time the show throws in, like, these, like, Christian Catholic, like, little, like, references that Father Mulcahy <laughs> does, like, these biblical things that he does. I just thought it was so funny and just, like, kind of out there. <laughs> and it makes sense because he's a priest. I don't know. Just just really great. See, I guess I'm unfamiliar with the Christian practice of washing your feet. <laughs> but I liked how this is when Klinger comes in, right? And mm-hmm. is like, hey, I want to get discharged. And I, I really liked Klinger's uh, whole bit here. It's the same bit that we've seen before. But he's, you know, escalating it a bit. Like, he's going to blackmail the general <laughs> to, to try to get out of the army. He's like, I'm going to tell my wife you're sleeping with me, which is, like, crazy. And then Klinger gives Father Mulcahy the picture that he's going to send to the general to, like, blackmail him. And Father Mulcahy is just like, oh, my God. <laughs> he's yeah. so, like, I cannot believe that we're here right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he even compliments him on his dress, as everyone always does. I have to say also, on that front, Klinger's outfits in this episode, 10 out of 10, top notch. They slayed. Klinger was so good. <laughs> you know, I I didn't know that Klinger sewed his own dresses. Yeah. I was legitimately crazy impressed by that. That man has a career as a seamstress in his future. Yes, I, absolutely. I thought that he got all of these from like, coals and stuff <laughs> back stateside. I didn't know he made them all. That's some awesome. Of, some of him. Some he does make himself and others he gets from the Sears catalog. So Oh yeah. Cole's because it's referenced. Sears. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, but honestly, we love Klinger. We love Klinger's prospects after the war. <laughs> yeah. Great pink dress he wore. I loved his whole this is skipping way ahead, but like the after credit scene for this episode is him sewing and you see mm-hmm. his like whole tent with, uh, you know, all the dresses he has. I'm like, wow, this man's got it figured out. He doesn't know he's got it figured out, <laughs> but, he but does. he's got it figured out. <laughs> Especially now, like with our 21st century sensibilities, like I wish I knew how to sew. I can't make dresses. Yeah, I would so make dresses. <laughs> I also, I think that like rounding out this, well, first of all, we also have to say, this was a quick scene, but um, like Hawkeye and Trapper put Frank in a box. <laughs> they just like oh, shoved yeah, him in a crate. <laughs> that was nuts. I love that. That was just uh, like, and even... he was like putting his finger out of like the air hole that they drilled in it for him. It was just really funny. <laughs> that is a, that's a Frank prank, a Frank prank, if you will, Ooh. where I was just like, how how did this happen? How did they get here? Did they drug Frank again? Just like, <laughs> how did they get him in the box? And he's just like, fellas, you gotta let me out. Like, he wasn't even freaking out at first. He was just like, guys, so I'm in this box. Let me out. And, you know, he gets more dramatic over time. But, you know, first he was like, all right, fellas, good gag. Let me out. Well, we also know that Frank is apparently a very heavy sleeper because... We're going to bring it up again. They did steal his blood in his sleep. That is perhaps the most consistent character trait of Frank is that if he falls asleep, you could do whatever you asleep. want to him. Yes, he stays asleep. <laughs> um, the next scene after this whole like mishmash of uh, what the camp is doing 
So Henry has this sex ed lesson, which I thought was really funny because we definitely saw this before in season one. Yeah. And Henry kind of even makes a reference to that. He's like, our old friends A and B, and it's these like drawings, these outlines of like a man's body and a woman's body. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I like that in universe, it's like consistent. Like he gives one of these like every month. And I thought that yeah. it was very, it was also very funny that McLean Stevenson was just like, just laughing through the whole thing and it didn't seem like he was supposed to be (laughs) that felt so genuine that felt like if he really had to give this every month he'd just be like all right what like you know eventually it wears you down and you're like okay i just have to get through this but like objectively this is absurd the fact that i have to give like sex education to these (laughs) grown men and he tries to tell them about like STDs, but he literally can't even get to, like, that part of the, like, (laughs) lesson. But I thought it was really funny looking at these figure drawings that literally the only difference between the man and woman figure is that the girl has, like, hair. Yeah. That's, like, it. It's not even a distinctly female body. It just has that, like, two lines to indicate long hair. (laughs) That was very funny. That's like, this is what I was talking about too, or one of the things that I was talking about of like it being shot so nice. And we've we've seen this before, like this kind of shooting of just like going from like Henry to Hawkeye and Trapper to like the rest of the crowd. Like, I don't know, just the whole thing just really amped up the comedy of it for me. And like I said, McLean Stevenson laughing through the lines and like kind of halfway through getting it together and delivering the lines like I'm sure he was supposed to be delivering them was hysterical to me. This was probably my favorite part of the, or maybe my second favorite part of the episode. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I absolutely loved how genuine this felt. Like, genuinely, they're all, like, ribbing him. (laughs) It felt like making fun of, like, your actual friend trying to give, like, a speech during class. (laughs) And it looked like all the actors were having such a good time. I really loved it. I love that Father Mulcahy left when he realized what the speech was because he was uncomfortable. Like, that was really funny, too. But speaking of, my favorite part is... (laughs) So, I guess... guess... (laughs) My favorite part of this episode, and I'll give a little bit of context. So, Frank has this hernia. He's talking to Margaret, basically, and he's like, I have this hernia. What do I do? And she's like, have Hawkeye and Trapper take care of it for you. And he's like, oh, no, like, I don't want them to take care of it for me. Like, they're pranksters. They're going to do something to me. Fair, valid, like, I completely Mm -hmm. understand why Frank had uh, reservations about letting Hawkeye and Trapper operate on him. So after this scene, Frank and Margaret go into the swamp to, like, basically ask Hawkeye and Trapper to operate on Frank's hernia. (laughs) And they come in and they're just in gorilla suits. Like, why were they in gorilla suits? (laughs) Well, before this, you have... I think Radar dropping off their mail and they ordered something from like a costume company and then it's revealed that it was these it's full these body gorilla like, suits. silicone gorilla suits <laughs> and it's the most absurd thing I think in the show so far. The fact that they dress completely in these gorilla suits just for themselves. They're not going out and like pranking anybody They're literally sitting around the table and I think playing cards, dressed as gorillas, and just like casually talking to each other. It is maybe the greatest joke of all time. (laughs) It's so funny in such a stupid way. I'm like, yeah, if uh, if I was stuck on a military base 
for many months and possibly years at this point. I don't know. I think it's still in the month category. Mm-hmm. And like I saw in a catalog that I could get a gorilla suit delivered to me. I would do it. Yeah, I would 100% I mean, get a get a gorilla suit here. <laughs> definitely valid. Valid for sure. <laughs> I don't know how Frank and Margaret did this scene with Hawkeye and Trapper in the gorilla suits without laughing. I would love to see outtakes from this episode from these scenes specifically because like how like it was just so ridiculous. I was on the floor dying and it's just like how did they do and, this with a straight face? And it's like aided by the fact that like while they're having this serious discussion about Frank's hernia, Hawkeye and Trapper are just constantly doing gorilla impressions, like <laughs> howling like a monkey and everything, and like cleaning Frank's hair for bugs the way a gorilla yes, would. Yes. <laughs> and Frank and Margaret are like not even registered as like fully annoyed. They're just like really deadpan about it. Yes. They're just like, yeah, I have a thing going on. Please help me. <laughs> I like how they also were just like, yeah, okay, this is like just their antics. We're not going to give in to this. And it's just like the craziest thing that they did was like these gorilla suits. Like, I don't know. It was the most absurd just... thing I've ever seen. And uh, I got to shout out possibly my favorite Hawkeye and Trapper are very comfortable with each other joke. Uh, they're both in the, the gorilla suit. And Hawkeye says, like, oh, yeah, me and my wife will take care of it. And he, like, they put their arms around each other. (laughs) Every time there's, like, these pseudo-gay jokes with them, I'm just always, like, yep, I love these boys. I love how comfortable they are. Good times. It was really funny. This scene was just phenomenal. And I think I said this to you before we started recording. I knew that they were going to be in monkey suits eventually. But I didn't know it was this episode, so it was a very, like, pleasant surprise to be like, ah, this is the gorilla suit episode. <laughs> we were I loved waiting it. for the day for all these I years. I really was. I was. <laughs> so right after this scene, they are prepping Frank for his hernia repair surgery. And then, of course, they start getting casualties, like, right away, right before oh, yeah. they're going to put Frank under. And it's, like, super chaotic. It's, like, a really, really chaotic OR scene of, like, a lot of wounded coming in and then the shelling starts to happen. And we Mm -hmm. come to find out that it's uh, friendly fire, that it's U.S. shelling that's happening. And so they're like, what the heck? Like, how, like, why are are they doing this to us right now? Like, don't they know we're a hospital? Again, the shift for this is really good because it's not, like, hard turn between funny and dramatic it like shifts into like okay we're in work mode really well like the chaos of this still kind of carries that like frantic energy of the first half of like people you know just kind of spending their time but like carries that into a more serious situation there's still jokes and everything but they're under like this immense pressure it's really well done I liked that there were still jokes like thrown in there too amongst the chaos. So it did do a really great balance still in this last half of like chaos and urgency and whatnot. And also like still being funny. Like mm-hmm. my favorite part of this, of course, was like radar calling around to like find out that the shell, like who the shelling was being done by. And then progressively like 
changing his rank to higher and higher ranks to get the shelling to stop or like be diverted mm. somewhere else like that was really funny and it was like cut between like the or and radar doing this and then there was a pregnant woman thrown in and oh my frank's God. hernia start was like starting to get really really bad and it was just mm-hmm. like all chaos but it was still funny yeah what i was trying to say before i think i figured out how to word this better <laughs> it kept the kind of like fragmented here's a story, here's a story, here's a story kind of flow of the first half of the episode with everybody kind of just hanging out. But like threw that into a more high pressure situation Mm -hmm. where suddenly just everything's happening on top of each other. And it doesn't become like sad. Like it it stays like fun. For as stressful as this is, it's still like fun to watch them kind of figure this out together. At least for me, I had, like, I wasn't like, okay, this is like the sad half of the episode where Mm -hmm. everybody's, like, stressed and, like, dying. It still, like, kept up a really kind of, like, engaging tone, you know? Yeah, very much lighthearted as much as, like, the OR scenes can be. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like we mentioned, there was that added layer of, like, urgency and chaos with Frank's hernia. And so they mention that his hernia has turned into like a strangulated hernia which is life-threatening like it's no joke yeah so i i looked it up because i'm always like really curious about like the medical aspect and how accurate it is so um a strangulated hernia is like super dangerous and it can cut off blood flow from your small intestine and, and you can die so they would have probably had to operate on Frank. Like Hawkeye says, oh, we might not have to operate if this, that, and the other thing. And once your hernia is like strangulated, you have to operate. So they do end up operating on Frank. But yeah, it was like, I was like, wow, that's super scary and dangerous. And for as scary and dangerous as that is, they made Frank's hernia bit so funny with High Frank. I loved High (laughs) Frank. Just how out of it he was how like childish he is uh it was so it was like really this is my favorite form of frank when he's just like a friendly little boy trapped (laughs) in a man like a grown gross man skin (laughs) yeah anytime frank is like drugged or drunk and kind of like his inhibitions are kind of like down he is the best version of himself because he doesn't have the uh idiot frank to hide behind (laughs) eventually essentially (laughs) So I mentioned at the beginning that there was this other scene that I thought was like shot really well of like Trapper coming out of the post-op unit and the camera angle was like up so or down, I guess. It was a low angle. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and I just loved that like very late. It was like five seconds of Trapper coming out of the post-op ward and then looking up at the sky with a cigar in his hands and being like, oh, shut up. And I just, I loved that scene. It just, I something about it just struck me. And I was like, this is great. I loved this. Yeah, because he hears the, the plane overhead. And like, in theory, I'm not sure how this shelling works. If they're like dropping bombs on the camp or whatever. But, you know, he hears the plane going over. And he's like, ah, oh, shut up. And it's a low angle and it's very cinematic. It's shot in darkness with this like one light coming down. I gotta say, gotta hand the credit to the directing of this episode. I think it was like High Haberback or something. Mm -hmm. I might got that name slightly wrong with the last name, but this is probably one of the better directed episodes in the entire series. Uh, It really kind of shows off 
that they can get these like more interesting angles in a way that like other shows especially for the time could not because just the way that like you have to shoot on a soundstage with like a open set but yeah I love this scene as well it was like really emotional for like a hot second like you got the kind of like emotion of it and then a nurse comes out and like she's also on her 10 minute break so they go off together and it was (laughs) like yeah you you do you man good job Yeah, it was uh, it was a good scene, and it was super quick, and then it was over, and that was basically. I mean, they they save Frank, then they deliver a baby, and that's basically it. Like that's the end of well, the episode. I have to mention my man Radar on the phone. His whole running bit is incredible in this episode. I love that. Like, yes, he's trying to raise his rank every time he talks to a new person. But I loved his, like, man voice that he put on. Him trying to sound like an actual soldier kind of guy. It was really (laughs) funny. And he gets the job done, too. He averts the shelling away from the camp. (laughs) I really liked how, I think it was when he was pretending to be a major, and then somebody asked him how old he was on the other end of the phone. We didn't hear it. And he's like, uh, I'm 19. (laughs) It was just very funny. Because he kind of, like, got caught. And he's like, listen, my commanding officer is in surgery. Like, he told me to do this. Like, just just do it. Just do this for me. <laughs> and then he, uh, then he meets up with one of his friends on the phone coincidentally. And he's just like, man, you gotta help me out. It's like, I thought, like, that was a really fun way to end it. With not it being, like, his ruse working. That he just happened to find, like, the connection that he needed to get to of somebody who will actually listen to him. Which, coincidentally, the name that they use is a character, like, later on in the series. Like, a small side character that shows up in a couple of episodes. So, I like to think that, like, continuity-wise, he came to the camp. So (laughs) just a little tidbit for when we get to like season nine. (laughs) Can't wait to meet Rizzo, I think was his name. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) All right. So do you have any favorite lines in this episode? I do. I, I have a few. Right when Frank is being prepped for surgery the first time before the uh, wounded come in you know he's in a hospital gown so you know it's exposed in the back and everything and he has to get up from the operating table and like actually get dressed to be in the OR and like actually operate on other people and you know he he makes sure to like cover his butt while walking out and I think uh it was either Hawkeye or Trapper I forget who specifically but he just like turns to the other one and says like you know, we give Frank a lot of grief, but the man is stacked. <laughs> like <we're> talking <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny, especially to include in like the 1970s. Like, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't hear that kind of thing back then. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. That 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 was very funny. It's so funny. I did not know they did not know they had stacked back then. Granted, they talked about a butt, and they, you know, stacked is not typically, from what I understand, a, a butt term, but worked really well. Like, I, I died laughing at that. That was so unexpected. What about you? Do you have any uh, notable lines from this one? So, I have a few, but... I thought that it was like such a funny callback when Hawkeye was talking to Frank in the OR and he said something to Frank of like, oh, look at all the work I've done. Like, 
you know, I put the organs in order from height and popularity, like a callback to what Frank was doing with the condiments when he said, I put them in order of like height and popularity. And I thought that that was very funny. He's got his thing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I also really liked in the very beginning of the episode. Oh, we didn't talk about this actually, but like the episode ends where it began and I always really like those episodes of like there's more Mm -hmm. time off after this slew of casualties that they got that we saw in this episode and um in the beginning Henry is sunning himself and then in the end Henry is also sunning himself and so Henry says excuse me father you're blocking the sun and then father Mulcahy like looks up at the sun and goes oh well let there be light and then walks off and I thought that that was very very funny yeah Henry tanning himself is also kind of a cool shot too that that kind of like panned out from the dishes he was using to tan himself to Henry. And again, just any camera movement in the show, I'm like, ooh, that's impressive. Yeah, and I was actually, I had it in my notes that in this scene with Henry sunning himself, because you get the reflection from like the actual sun, you could tell that this is just like not on a soundstage. And I thought that that was, it's always fun to remember that. Yeah, it's it's super cool how they like are kind of on location for this show. Obviously, they're not in Korea, but you know, they're, they're somewhere <laughs> they out in the real world. But with all that said, do you have any trivia for us? I do. So there weren't like guest stars really in this episode, but there is a little bit of historical trivia that I do have. So in the final scene, the the PA guy, like the announcer guy, he said that Alfred Krupp was released from prison, this Nazi war criminal. And so oh, I did right. a little bit of research about him. So Alfred Krupp was um, tried in the case United States v. Alfred Krupp et al. as part of this thing called the subsequent Nuremberg proceedings, which happened like after the Nuremberg trials, I'm pretty sure, in the United States. And he was tried for the Krupp group's involvement in making military weapons for the Nazi powers. Krupp and 11 other defendants in the case, who were all members of Krupp's managing board, were charged with crimes against peace, war crimes, crimes against humanity for using slave labor and plundering public and private land. So like real stuff. Like this was not okay. Krupp himself was actually pardoned in January 31st, 1951, so like we heard on the PA, by presidential advisory person John J. McCoy and had his property restored to him. So like weird, gross, not great, but historically accurate. Historically accurate, but that is kind of a weird thing to throw just kind of in the background of this episode. Yeah, I always wonder how they choose like the headlines that they do? Yeah, because they've done that before of like, cert- I've done trivia um in episodes before of like the PA just announcing these news headlines. And I think that it's like, it, it is really interesting, but I- I'm curious as to how-, how they chose them. Especially because they're so time era specific. Like, I don't think that many people watching the show are familiar with the Nazi being pardoned of like it being like a significant historical it's not like a fun pop cultural event I don't know about that because I know in like the 70s and even though this is like still like early-ish mid-70s into the 80s is like when a lot of education about the Holocaust kind of started Mm. so I don't know maybe it was like more of a topical thing in the 70s I don't really have much context for that because it's so specific to the writers themselves so i don't know who knows it's cool way to place the actual events of history within the show though i i always like when they 
mention something real on the PA. I imagine it's going to slow down a bit as the seasons go on and like the timeline stretches. But for now, it's like interesting to see these like real events in the context of this fictional show. Yeah, definitely. So, Ethan, to wrap it up, what is your martini rating for this episode? I think it's pretty obvious. This is a five out of five for me. A pretty much perfect episode. It's really fun and makes the shift to the chaotic OR stuff really well. I love this one. And it has the whole cast in it too. It's not like a specific episode to one character. It's, you know, it's everybody kind of dealing with the situation. And I loved it. How about you? Same for me. Absolutely five out of five. I was originally going to give it a 4.5 because it was like there wasn't like a cohesive storyline. But I I liked that. I thought that it was was really well done that there was no cohesive storyline. Much more so than like Dear Dad, which we still liked. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. This was just done in such a way that was good and great. And I loved it. And this is definitely going to make it on our list of episodes that I've showed to people. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Verbalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa and my sister for cover art, and of course our listeners, thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. You can join us next week for our discussion of Season 2, Episode 21, Crisis. But until then, get a drink at the bar in a gorilla suit. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. <laughs>